In the Old Testament portion of the Bible, there are literally hundreds of laws, hundreds of commandments that were given to Moses by God to be shared with the people of Israel. Though there's hundreds of them there, and you can read them in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, I think we would all agree, Christians and non-Christians alike, the most famous has to be the Ten Commandments. Some folks will refer to it as the Decalogue. The Ten Commandments probably become the most famous given to Moses on a mountain carved into stone tablets. We find the Ten Commandments listed twice, the first time in Exodus chapter 20, and the second time in Deuteronomy chapter 5. With the name Ten Commandments, of course, we understand that it includes, well, Ten Commandments. But there's also usually, it's broken down into three parts by Bible scholar type folks. The first part is a very short preamble in the first couple of verses there. Then you get commandments that deal with our vertical relationship with God. And then you get commandments that deal with our horizontal relationship with other people, both being critically important to the Father. Some of you will remember that in the New Testament, someone actually asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus actually went to two commandments that sum up these latter parts of the 10. Jesus said uh, in Matthew 22, he said the two greatest commandments are to love God with everything you have, that vertical relationship, which is detailed out in the first part of the 10 commandments, and then to love your neighbor as yourself, that horizontal relationship, which again is explained in more detail in that last part there of the 10 commandments. But the title of this podcast is, and the question I want to explore in this podcast is, what's the most important part of the Ten Commandments? Jesus told us what the greatest law was, which is to love God with everything we have. But what's the greatest part of the Ten Commandments? And a little bit of a different question here that I want to look at, but there's a really important reason that I want to look at and answer the question and understand it. So I'm going to argue in this podcast that it's actually that preamble. It's those first few short verses that lead into the giving of the actual 10 rules, the 10 laws, the 10 commandments. Let me explain really quickly why by actually reading the first part. So recall, by the time we get to Exodus chapter 20, the Hebrew people had been in slavery, had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. And there were millions of the Hebrews, but Egypt was the most powerful empire, the most powerful nation, government, political, and military force on, in, on the earth at that time. And the Hebrew people were just helpless to free themselves. God comes in miraculously, sends Moses, let my people go, the 10 plagues, Pharaoh lets them go. Pharaoh then begins to change his mind. He chases them. They get to the Red Sea. God miraculously parts the sea for the Hebrews and closes the water back over the Egyptian soldiers. A few chapters later, then we get this. And so as we read the Ten Commandments, this is what actually comes first. Exodus 20, I'm going to read the first three verses here. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's the preamble. Then he gives you the first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. That word Lord, I am the Lord your God, 
is originally, when Moses wrote it in the Hebrew, it was originally God's personal name, Yahweh. So it would say, and God spoke all these words saying, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Here's why that preamble is the most important part of the Ten Commandments for us to understand. We tend to view, and this is partly because other religions tend to influence our view of Christianity. I wish it didn't. I wish my only view of Christianity was the Bible. I wish my only understanding of God was the Bible and the picture that's painted in the New Testament of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, we're influenced by a number of outside forces. And so we see other religions and how they behave. And it sort of taints our mind a little bit. And so we tend to think of religious rules as these requirements that are almost, if you will, forced on us against our will. There's some vengeful, maybe in some cases, even a petty God. There's an angry God. And in order to appease that God, in order to keep that God off our back, or maybe we want something, maybe we had a bad harvest last year and we're desperate for our crops to be good and our harvest to be good this year. And so we really want to appease this God. And so we want to know, how do we go to this being and get him to show favor to us? And so there's all these rules and rituals that we might have to follow. We don't like them, but we do them because we're trying to, again, appease someone's anger or earn someone's favor. If you read this preamble and you don't just read it really fast so you can get to the commandments and memorize them, but you read this preamble, you realize that this is saying God, Yahweh, your God is saying exactly the opposite. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you already out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's the setup. God is saying, I've already done what I'm going to do. I have already chosen because I make my own decisions, because I have my own power, because I'm a merciful God, because I love you so much as my creation. I have already done my part. I have chosen to rescue you from bondage. As I say that to you, your mind immediately goes, and a bondage that we were helpless to rescue ourselves from, our ancestors 400 years in Egyptian slavery. God says, yes, I've already done my part. I've already chosen to, and I've already brought to fruition my plan to rescue you from bondage. And you didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't have to follow any rules, undertake any rituals, make any sacrifices to suggest the idea to me or to encourage me to undertake that rescue. I am the Lord, and I brought you out of the land of Egypt, of my own doing, through my own power. Now we get to the Ten Commandments. And I think God is saying this. If you see that I am the God, merciful and loving, with all of this power, who chose to bring you out of bondage, and you see me, and you want a relationship with the God that loved you enough, to do that when you couldn't have done it yourself 
You couldn't have convinced me to do it. You couldn't have done enough to pay me for it or earn my favor regarding it. But when you see me for this merciful but powerful God who rescued you from bondage and you say to yourself, what do I do in response? I could do nothing to bring this into existence. Only my God. Only the Lord, my God, could do what he did of his own initiative. But now that it's done and I have been rescued from bondage, what do I do? I feel a need to connect to that God. I feel a need to respect that God. I feel a need to worship that God. I feel a need to be obedient to that God. God says, okay, if that's where you're at, then let me give you a list of 10 and it starts with this. You shall have no other gods before me. You can almost say, you can almost read it with God saying, it's not as much a command for an action as it is a description of an attitude. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, you shouldn't want to have any other gods before me. Therefore, because you come to understand who I am in relation to you, you shouldn't want to have, and therefore I trust you will not have any other gods before me. And then we can read each of the remaining nine commandments exactly that way. If you have come to see me as the merciful and loving God that I am, and you cry out and say, I want to respond appropriately to the mercy that brought me out of bondage, then God says, then don't steal from your neighbor. And so instead of these 10 commandments, instead of these rules becoming things that are a forced on us by this petty, vindictive, vengeful God who's playing with us in his creation for his own pleasure. We come to see God as one who's coming to bat for us in his creation for his own glory. And when we experience that mercy and we experience that glory, God says, I know many of you are going to want to respond in the appropriate way. This is how you do it. And so for us, it wouldn't be the Ten Commandments, though nine of them are repeated in the New Testament, but it would be the New Testament. When we understand that God has rescued us from the bondage of our sin, when we could do nothing about it. In this podcast, I often read the Romans 5.8 about God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's very similar to that preamble, isn't it? And God spoke these words to Christians in the New Testament saying, I am the Lord, your God. Jesus is the Lord, your Christ. And he brought you out of sin, slavery. He bought you, brought you out of bondage and debt from your sin. And then we say, yes, we see you're a merciful and loving God. What is our response to be? The New Testament refers to what Jesus tells us to do in Paul and James and Peter. It refers to it as the law of Christ or as the perfect law of liberty. We're to read that New Testament and not go, wow, we really have to do all these things. If we don't want this mean God coming down, we really have to do all these things. If we want God to answer our prayers and give it, 
No, God is saying if you truly understand that Christ, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You have been saved from bondage and you were helpless to save yourself and you couldn't force God to do it. He chose to do it on his own preemptively, proactively because of his love and mercy for you, then your heart should cry out, what is the appropriate response? And God says, read the Sermon on the Mount. God says, read the books of Colossians or Ephesians, read the book of Romans and come to understand how I want you to act and behave. But don't do it because you feel forced. Don't even do it because you feel fear of a God who is the perfect and holy judge, because John tells us that perfect love will cast out that fear and that our obedience based on fear is an odd thing to try to maintain for an entire lifetime anyway. But obedience, reverence based on love, accepting and understanding and reciprocating love is a totally different issue and a totally different idea. I think the most important part of the Ten Commandments is the preamble that God had already bestowed salvation in a sense, physical salvation on the Hebrews. Their appropriate response was to say, what do we do? And God said, here's a good start with these 10 overarching rules about how you deal with me and with other people. Today, Christ says, I have already rescued you with through my power because of my mercy and my grace and my love. I have already rescued you from spiritual bondage. Our hearts cry out, Lord Jesus, what do we do? And he says, seek out, try to understand, and then try to obey my law, the law of Christ, this perfect law of liberty that you see these rules, recommendations, suggestions, guardrails that are written in the New Testament books of the Bible. That's my answer for what the most important part of the Ten Commandments is. This is Andy, the Analytical Preacher. Thanks for listening.